This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Today's matchups. Here we go. Moving on to the Sweet 16, baby. And first up, Jim Kelly. We've got Lucan taking on Tavistock. Lucan, do it! Oh, yes. Lucan, Ontario. They are, uh, you know, no slouches when it comes to town competitions. In 2018, Taz, they, of course, won Craft Hockeyville. They were awarded $250,000, which they were supposed to be spending on their local uh, hockey arena. Turns out uh, they spent that quarter of a million dollars all on a sign for their dairy farmers that simply says, Luke in Ontario, pulling titties and feeding cities. What were they thinking, Taz? (laughs) It's true. It's true. Let's see if they can handle the responsibility of winning the Taz and Jim uh, tournament of 64 small towns as they take on Tavistock this morning, known for its zany five-way main intersection. Tavistock, Ontario is a town completely built by former Stratford residents kicked out of Stratford for not liking William Shakespeare enough. Yes, the <laughs> residents of Tavi have since banned any literature from the town limits that isn't the coffee news. <laughs> Pulling what and feeding cities? Come on. I've seen the work they did on the arena. That can't be true. <laughs> Merely makeup. All the, all the money went to the sign, Taz. Okay. Mount Bridges, Ontario versus Kettle Point. Yes, I'd like to say Ani to Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point First Nation because they're putting the kettle to the metal voting in this competition. Kettle Point has been destroying everybody they've been up against. And did you know that Kettle Point has their own community radio station? 1077 The Eagle. Well... Beat it, the Eagle, based on the amounts of votes rolling in. Kettle Point is now Taz and Jim country. And they're taking on Mount Bridges this morning. People like to call it Mount Gitches because most of the residents there are just like old school underwear. White and tight. Honestly, nobody knows why they call it Mount Bridges because there's no mountains and zero rivers for bridges to go over. So just like your last Tinder date, Mount Bridges could not get any drier or flatter. <laughs> and Jim Kelly, what can you tell us about Dorchester versus Simcoe? Ah, uh, yes, Taz. Simcoe. Simcoe. It sounds like a fake generic name for a town in the video game Sim City, eh, Taz? But even hey. a 12 year old in 1997 could construct a town that makes more logistical sense than Simcoe, Ontario. Yes, it is the heart of Norfolk County, but after taking a tour on Google Maps digitally, uh, there is Norfolken Way I'm moving to Simcoe, Ontario. <laughs> and they're taking on Dorchester, Ontario. Some say Dorchester is for the birds, but they're just talking about Ziggy's Feathered Friends, the pet store for birds. And there's other things flying around Dorchester. That's Pop Flies at Slow Pitch City. Yeah, Slow Pitches. For slow people in Dorchester. Actually, if you if you look at the Slow Pitch City, they spell Slow Pitch S-L-O-P-I-T-C-H, 
which looks a lot like slop itch, which is the same name for the venereal disease you can only get in Dorchester after making love to barnyard animals. If you thought eating a bat was bad for your health, wait till you get slop itch. <laughs> slop itch. Uh, gross. <laughs> Port Burwell versus Port Dover. Port Dover, Ontario, Taz, has made more people experience hell on Friday the 13th than Jason Voorhees. Be careful when you are secondhand clothes shopping in Port Dover on Saturday the 14th because that ripe used bike leather can lead to some funky smells. Port Dover is actually the only time in recorded history that someone has gotten PTSD from a Salvation Army. And they're taking on Port Burwell this morning. When you go to the beaches of Port Burwell, grab a seashell from the sand. Put it up to your ear. No, you won't hear the oceans. You'll hear the sounds of 60-year-olds having sex. That's because they are behind you. You're on a nude beach with the same demographics as the COVID danger zone. You may have heard of the beaches of Ibiza. Well, these are the beaches of Igiza. And we've all heard that Jesus footprint story where all you see is two footprints because Jesus was carrying you. Well, there's no Jesus in this story, Taz. All you see is two footprints and the dragging of a saggy scrot. (laughs) And you're telling me you can only get slop itch in Dorchester. You can't get it in Port Burwell? Unless somebody from uh, Dorchester goes to Port Burwell. Okay, all right. Forget toilet paper. There could be a stitches shortage in the Taz and Jim listening area from the sounds of it. You know the old saying, snitches get stitches, and it seems like there is a lot of snitches around here, Jim. That's right. This is an article from the Hamilton Spectator. In Hamilton... Snitches outnumber COVID-19 patients. <laughs> All right. Bound to happen. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a happy statistic, technically, I guess. Everyone wants uh, everyone else to remain safe. I'm sure yeah. none of them are doing it for the thrill of ratting out that neighbor that they hate on the street, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sense of power they get. Uh, and it's not just Hamilton, Taz. Here's from uh, London here. London's COVID-19 tip line has received 5,200 complaints. That's a lot of snitches, wow. too. That is a lot of snitches. I, I know of a, a person, family, they were away from March break, and somebody called the cops on them saying that they aren't quarantining themselves afterwards. They got a call from the the police department saying, we've had reports that you're not quarantining. So, like, even if you think no one's watching, probably somebody's watching you. Yeah, amazing what your neighbors may know about you that you wouldn't know they knew. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't think I could, I don't know if I could ever call the snitch line. Number one, because I'd have to go find the number and then call. You know, it sounds like a lot of work, but I don't know if it I'd ever be compelled. It would have to be pretty flagrant. You know, there'd have to be a party like uh, like the Amish barn, barn party we were talking about yesterday where there's just tons of drunk people like flaunting it, the fact that they're 
they're together having a huge bender in order for me to call the cops. But even then, I'd be like, uh, I've, I've never <laughs> called the cops before, I don't think. So I, I, I don't know. I'd be like, stay off my property, stay away from me. But I don't know. It, it's just, it's weird because everybody is so righteous right now because a t- technically it could affect you, right? You know, if people yeah. are transmitting. Or your parents so like, or your grandparents. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. You've never called the cops before in your life? Oh, you know what? I called them once, and that was when that one guy broke into my house. But that's because oh, yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. stranger who walked Valid. into my home. In the, yeah, right. yeah. So, But no, I've never, he I've was never not, called well, the cops. So you have called because he wasn't social distancing. That's why you called the cops. Yeah. Right? I didn't care that he was a sketchy dude entering my home that I didn't know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just he wasn't six feet away from me. He was touching things. Yeah, stop touching my my cooking my cooking utensils. <laughs> Social distancing, buddy. Here, Get here's my, my safe, but stay ten feet away. <laughs> if you are calling, hey, you know it's it's tough to it's tough to crap on the people that are calling. At the same time, just hopefully everyone is calling for the right reasons. Don't call to be a jerk or to make yourself feel good. Call because you're you're genuinely concerned. It does seem like the vast majority are not getting charged. Like a lot of them seem like they're just warnings because according to this in London, bylaw officers have only charged four businesses and 32 individuals. So out of 5,200 complaints, you know, not not bad. I do have uh, to wish my nephew a happy birthday. Jameson, he's turning 13. Sucks to have your, your big 13th birthday and not be able to, to throw a party. I think he got a cell phone for his birthday. Thirteen is that exciting? That's crazy that that the kids in grade seven and eight will have cell phones or do have cell phones. There's kids that are younger than that. There's kids in like grade three that have cell phones, man. Technically, our son has a cell phone. It's not we don't have a SIM card in it, but we gave him one of our old phones, and when he's at home, he can it's on the Wi-Fi, so he can watch uh, cartoons on it. Mm-hmm. Keep them busy, but it's yeah, it's just, a big deal. I, know, I sound like an old man. Like I got my my first cell phone <laughs> second year of college. <laughs> I can remember getting my first cell phone, my flip phone, and somebody uh, sent me a text message. I'm like, this fad is never going to catch on. <laughs> what is, is so that? Stupid. I'm like, I am not typing LOL. That's dumb. <laughs> Nobody's going to use the LOL and emojis. I'm like, emojis are stupid. Nobody's going to use these. I remember the first call, time somebody showed that me. one wrong. <laughs> I remember sometimes when the first person showed me an iPhone that had the internet, I couldn't, I felt like my dad, I couldn't understand how the internet was on the phone. You know I'm like, wait, wait, you can go to Facebook on your phone? Oh, how far we've come. Crazy times we're living in. Now look at us. Zoom meetings. We're playing online poker, Jim. Yeah, I'm looking at your ugly mug. I'm looking at your ugly mug on my phone. This is like something out of a Dick Tracy comic strip. (laughs) We could have a video call on my wristwatch. (laughs) What? Just when we couldn't sound any older during this conversation, I busted the Dick Tracy comic yeah. strip uh, Oh, reference. boy. What is this? A Flash Gordon? 
Is it a Flash Gordon cereal or something? Be a Flash Gordon periodical. Anyways, we got to go drink our oval team and, uh, <laughs> and Metamucil. I have a feeling that today's NFL draft could go down as the most watched NFL draft in the history of NFL drafts. Yeah. What else are we going to do? <laughs> I know. This is the... This is the only real sportsy thing going on in the world, NFL draft today, and it's going to be different than we're used to. Obviously, a lot of the owners and, and GMs and coaches are all in isolation as well, so they're going to be uh, doing their, their picking. They've got their war room set up in their homes. Um, they're a little worried about hackers trying to, to hack into – the communications of of the teams who are making the picks and delaying things. But uh, it'll be interesting for sure to see what happens. Number one pick overall uh, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're expected to pick a young quarterback named Joe Burrow. You got Washington picking number two. They, they are going after a guy... Uh, named Chase Young, according to experts. And then the Detroit Lions, Boss Brad's team. They've got pick number three. If you're a Lions fan, right near the top of the list there, which is good, but it also means your team kind of stinks if you're right near the top. <laughs> yeah. We got... We got Buffalo way down there because they uh, they made a trade to get Stefan Diggs. They're not picking till round two. They traded away their first round pick. So if you're a Bills fan, you're going to have to wait a while. And because everything is remote, there is going to be one thing that is missing from this draft that you usually see and hear uh, in years past: the commissioner getting booed, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's too bad. Roger Goodell won't be able to be booed live on stage as he uh, <laughs> usually is. But Bud Light is doing something cool. If you take a, a, a video of yourself booing Roger Goodell in your living room, yelling at the TV, they will donate a dollar for the NFL Draftathon, which is going on today as well. This is a charity the NFL has set up to... Uh, uh, fund COVID-19 relief. So for every video, up to $500,000 of fans <laughs> booing Roger Goodell posted on social media, Bud Light is going to donate $1 to the cause. That's brilliant. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was the NHL draft and they did the same for Gary Bettman, how quickly they would get up to that $500,000 mark? Oh, two minutes to be over. <laughs> yeah. And we're joined by a um, professor, criminologist at University of Western Ontario, former police detective and author of the book Monster City Music, Murder, Music, and Mayhem in Nashville's Dark Age. A friend of the show, Mike Arnfield, is on the phone. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Tyus. We wanted to talk to you about what went down in Nova Scotia over the weekend. Obviously, uh, as a former police officer, uh, the crime must just make your stomach turn. Yeah, me and I think every other Canadian and, and person generally, I mean, um, the murder of the RCMP member notwithstanding, I mean, this is 
as we now know, the worst loss of life in a, in a case of mass murder in Canadian history. Yeah, the suspect. And Justin Trudeau asked that we don't report on his name. I know you do a lot of stuff with uh, with murder in in the media. Uh, do you agree with that, that we shouldn't be saying the names of suspects um, in cases like this on the air? Yeah, I mean, you can minimize it. For years now, I've subscribed to the not-name-them model. I'll refer to him typically as the offender or the shooter. I mean, we have to acknowledge his name, but you don't need to drive it into the ground and obsess over it. And, and that's a practice that started in Australia back in the 90s with a, a, a killer there. Um, let's talk about uh, how this was a perfect storm with what's going on right now with COVID-19. Uh, the fact that this guy chose to drive around and it seems like at, at the, at first it may have been targeted. We don't know. We don't really want to speculate on that, but, uh, definitely many of the victims weren't known to the assailant. Um, it really is with everyone at home, they're almost sitting ducks, right? Yeah, and that's what I've said. It's it's unfortunately going to be impossible to separate this tragedy from the lockdown, and the two are going to be synonymous, I think, forever. And, I mean, we are speculating a bit, but you're right. There's no, at no other point in history can everybody be predictably found at home. And if you wanted to target people, I mean, uh, we don't know when he started planning this, uh, when he started acquiring this stuff, if, if this was ultimately the end game. Uh, but at the very least, the timing of this seems to have been a factor. And, I mean, we've already got a similar, I mean, not as, as violent, but there was a copycat incident just yesterday outside of Guelph where a guy posing as a cop had a roadblock set up and was stopping drivers to see if they were essential workers. I mean, this is really, this, this lockdown is bringing out uh, some very, and I predicted this, some very troubling behavior. And there, I mean, there's a reason why in prisons there's a legal limit on segregation of 15 days, and those are violent offenders already serving time. You just impose basically 60 days of segregation on an entire population. It's, it, it's, we really don't know what effect that's going to have on people who are already hanging by a thread or who have been planning things. So there's a guy in Guelph who also has a vehicle that I'm assuming looks a lot like a police car as he's posing as an officer. How easy is it for these guys to get these vehicles that are replicas of actual cruisers? So the, the Nova Scotia incident, I mean, he, he put a lot of work into that, and I've already suggested, I mean, that's not something you can do on your own. Those decals are laser-measured, uh, are part of the, and the RCMP, unfortunately, has published the specification. So he could have taken that to a, a private uh, graphic designer and, and had that done and it certainly looks like it the photo looks like it's being done in a commercial garage and mm. that's different in most cases people buy similar looking vehicles i mean all these are, are uh, vehicles available to consumers so uh fords for the most part and they, they try to dr dress them up or mock them up so they look like they're subdued or undercover cars this clown in guelph had a fake aerial on the roof and and we sort of cobble together a uniform. And a lot of people just don't ask questions. They, it looks semi-legit. They're not going to take a risk. Um, and they, they sort of, they're, they're good Canadians and they go along with it and they don't realize that they're being walked into a trap. 
Is there a connection between people, because the suspect in the Nova Scotia shooting, uh, as far back as high school, it's being reported that he had aspirations to become an RCMP officer, which never panned out for him for one reason or another. Is there a connection between people who want to be cops and and don't make it in that field, uh, turning to the other side and becoming criminals? No, there's, I mean, there's no good studies on that. I mean, there are studies on um, the personality types that are drawn to policing uh, and uh, whether they make it in or not. There's a, there's a host of, of common characteristics that those people have. But, I mean, turning to become mass murderers is, n- is not one of the recognized traits. I mean, I, I don't know how much stock we can put into his high school aspirations. I mean, if you look at my high school yearbook, I think what I said and my friend said, like, you're just uh, you're, goofing, you're goofing around half the time, right? And yeah, those things. So I don't know how much truth we can put in that. Well, I've known I've known you for a while, Mike, and I'll tell you, you've exceeded my expectations. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> Thanks, uh, an investigation like the one that is underway in Nova Scotia. I mean, really, they don't even know if there's more victims out there because they don't know the exact path that this. Uh, this person took when he was uh, driving around in this cop car and wearing a police uniform, uh, shooting people. So they don't know there could be more victims out there. How long will this investigation go on, and what are things that the RCMP would be doing uh, in the week following this incident uh, in a case like this? Well, it's complicated. I mean, there's a number of simultaneous investigations. One, they're going to be trying to track uh, his movements, obviously. They're going to be tracing the source of the vehicles, decaling, and the uniform that he got and the firearms that he used. On top of that, then they're investigating what happened with the public notification and, and alert and the use of their Twitter account. And on top of that, they're now investigating, and this was just released yesterday, uh, two RCMP members opened fire on a, on a fire hall where a bunch of survivors were um, huddled including the brother of one of the victims. And we don't know why they're firing on that building or what they saw inside or thought they saw inside, but it's a miracle no one else was killed by them. So this is going to be messy. And uh, like you said, with everything else going on, this COVID nonsense just adds to adds to the problem. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer, I don't want to use the word prefer, but when a, when a suspect is shot and killed by police it's good because it ends the carnage but at the same time the answers die with the suspect uh in your eyes would you have rather this guy been taken alive well i'm not going to take a side on that but i will back you up and say yeah when when there is no answer no trial and and no opportunity for further information it, it, it unfortunately the 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 loop never gets closed it's a loose end that really lingers on and the best case and there's some demographic similarities between the two uh shooters is Stephen Paddock the Las Vegas shooter who um was of course the sniper in Mandalay Bay and he again middle-aged guy knows substantive history of violence uh pretty well to do and no one knows to this day why he did it i mean they went so far as to remove his brain and send it to Stanford Medical Center so they could analyze it to look for abnormalities or indicators of psychopathy, and it came back with no abnormalities. So, I mean, that's how far they went to look for, you know, maybe there's a physical or biological explanation for why this guy did this, and there's not. So we will never know. And I'm hoping, in this case, at least there's some indicator 
that we can you know use as a teaching point to, to prevent this in future. Yeah, it's one thing the the loss is is terrible and unimaginable for the family and friends of those who were killed, but uh, not having answers has got to be just torturous as well. So hopefully we do get some of those answers as the RCMP investigation continues in Nova Scotia. Professor criminologist at Western, former police detective and author Mike Arnfield, thanks for coming on with Taz and Jim this morning. Thanks, guys. Stay safe, stay sane. Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcasts, and we'll keep talking.